Hey guys, 1%. You heard me talk about this uh, last week. 1% in the wake of all the YouTube censorship. Uh, you know, Paul Joseph Watson talked about it. It's pretty scary. They're demonetizing everything that's even remotely controversial. It's just one more percentage point of people who watch the content, support the content for free. Uh, join the Mug Club at lotterwithcreditor.com slash mug club. And if you're a student, as many of you are, it's $69. It ends up being less than $6 uh, a month to get the entire network, the Daily Show, Not Gay Jared Show, as well as this lovely hand-etched mug, hand-etched here in the United States. Um, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you. You've seen a few commercials on this show. Really, I think only about three or four sponsors. We're able to be really limited with it, and we're able to continue putting in sketches that are funny and only picking sponsors that we really want to work with because our, our sponsor is you. Uh, the people who joined the Mug Club joined up with CRTV. You really have uh, made this an unbelievable place for people to work. There's, you know, 11 employees right now and growing. And um, the biggest irony is we get to continue putting out content for free on YouTube, fighting back against uh, leftism wherever it may lie because of Mug Club members. So it's ladderwithcredit.com slash Mug Club. Uh, $99 uh, annually, 69 for students, military or veteran. And uh, honestly, if you are any kind of student at all, we're going to let you slip under the radar. Ancient art of kata, we're still practicing it because to uh, learn about other people's cultures is to appreciate their cultures. Mm. Producing in video studio, as always, with me is Jared, who is not gay. Follow him on Twitter at NotGayJared. Me, Ed S. Crowder, I fulfill my legal obligations, draw your own conclusions. Are we good? We are good. I don't care that much because you're sick. It's true. Hopefully it's a shallow grave. At G. Morgan Jr. <laughs> with us. You doing well, sir? Awesome. Doing great. Doing great. <laughs> Emphasis on the sh I don't know why they felt the need shallow. to do that in a lot of novels. Novellas. It was a shallow grave. A shallow grave. Yeah, you're dead enough. They were pressed for time. I mean, <laughs> uh, huge show tonight. We have Paul Joseph Watson and Dennis Prager. So we're going to uh, skip along and get to them. I know many of you were excited, had some questions for them. Before we get to news about the mother of all bombs dropped on ISIS in Afghanistan, and we're going to talk about North Korea because they're acting up. Uh, Vagina Museum. That's a thing. There was a fundraiser for a vagina museum, which is going to be opened. You wanted it. You have it now. <laughs> a vagina museum. Of course, HuffPo was all on board with this. A museum regarding vaginas. And uh, th this was trending. It was, people sent it off on both sides, of course. You know, uh, feminists thought that it was a straw man to say that they simply scream, my vagina! But now they literally want a museum that is just my vagina! Um, so... <laughs> There's not a whole lot to discuss here. You can sound off with your opinions, but uh, most happy about this future installation uh, was Timmy. So he seems to be pretty... <laughs> That's the look of a man who knows what he wants. Um, I understand this. Apparently Terrible. there's some kind of a penis museum that exists. I guess so in Poland because they have nothing else to do there. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh. You know, that was not a conversation with men. No, like, no. We, it's not. We need a penis museum. It's probably. I would. Wouldn't be surprised. If Wait, it was. if it was, it was like, hey guys, 
What are you about? Like making like like a like a dick museum? <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, that's hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the feminists are gonna lose their minds. <laughs> How does this help your cause? Well, I, it's understand, and I understand this. You know, women, these feminists, they have it. I get it that some of them they want to have a big, giant vagina for them because they, they they do have a complex. They have a chip on their shoulder, and I understand it. At a certain point, it does have to be tough because the best at everything in history almost always is a man. The best soldiers are men. The best doctors, the best surgeons, the best scientists, the best chefs, uh, the best women, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> You <laughs> were better at being you than you. <laughs> you can't win. The best women's wrestler in Texas is a boy. The best female track and field athletes are now men. You opened this door, and now you're trying to rectify it with a big, giant hoo-ha museum. Well, good luck with that. I think the damage has been done. <laughs> Uh, speaking of damage, the U.S. did drop uh, the mother of all bombs uh, yes. in Afghanistan today. We don't have a ton of information right now, just so you know. Um, we've been locked up in the studio recording some, some bits for you and also pre-recording for next week. So people who are watching this in a time capsule on YouTube or on SoundCloud are like, you didn't talk. We don't know yet. Sincerely, Stephen, from the past. <laughs> we get comments from people who like listen to this two weeks from now. Like, why don't you talk about this? Because we didn't know. Wasn't this podcast auto updated by the minute? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, so it, it's it's called a massive ordnance bomb and comes in at twenty one thousand six hundred pounds. Damn, that's, that's so, big. So basically, the biggest bomb we have outside of a nuke. Um, Let's be real here. They, they, they talk about how it was retaliatory action because I believe a soldier, uh, yeah, American Green Beret, possibly possibly was killed. Yeah. yeah, this is this is slapping your schwanzen on the table. That's what's <laughs> happening right now. Donald Trump wants to be the not Obama, and I, I think this is just a, a a warning shot that we're not to be messed with. Yeah, he's basically saying I'm, I'm not like the last guy. <laughs> you really misjudged me. Yes. Hey, what do we got over there? No, 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 no. Go bigger. Yeah, <laughs> let's get the biggest thing we've got. I think that's what's happening here. Um, all I know is I want to watch that thing in IMAX. I know. I, to, I want to sit back and just just, can to, we, just let it rip. Can we drop it like in Utah where nobody cares anyway and it's not going to have a radioactive cloud and just see what happens? Utah now, is full just, of beautiful country and beautiful oh, people, Oh, I Shut know. Up. I'm going to yeah. get hate We're going to get letters from Utah. <laughs> <laughs> no, All five not, of them. I'm not from there, but my friend is from there. It's like, <sighs> All of my wives hate you now. Yeah, I'm going to unsubscribe <laughs> because Crowder hates Utah. <laughs> I'm going to pretend like I didn't hear that one. Because <laughs> we have some wonderful fans in Utah. We love you. Um, so we actually, actually, you said, I, I don't think we do have footage of the actual bomb being dropped. A uh, lot of, you know, media, they're kind of speculating. We do actually have footage of, well, we do have a screenshot of the location after the bomb was dropped. In case you were so, looks like there's a little bit of a change in topography. Ooh, how to update the maps. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to go there and see Kell-El. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not against this is ISIS in Afghanistan. I don't think you're going to see a lot of criticism with Syria. Uh, I don't think they're. I don't think Assad or ISIS at that point are a huge threat. It really is more of a humanitarian effort. Uh, with Afghanistan, I think pretty much everyone is on board after 9/11. Even even leftists, even Barack Obama was like, "Yeah, well, they always said we don't. We, why do we go into Iraq? Iraq didn't attack us. Afghanistan did, and that was kind of their trump card." And so. Eh, dropping bombs in Afghanistan is actually kind of politically popular. I think yeah. you get a pass. <laughs> yeah, I think you do. And I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of collateral no. damage out there. No. Um, here's something, though, that does worry me. Uh, you know, we're, we've been talking about, for those who missed it on Monday's show, 
we went through the entire timeline with uh, Syria, with Assad, with the Russians, who backed who, how the conflict started, how the rebels, how ISIS was created, uh, when the red lines were drawn by Barack Obama, when he went back on the red lines and claimed he never drew the red lines. So on Monday, we did this pretty in-depth, I think 20 plus minutes on just Syria and how it was created. I'm not saying I'm the first to do it, but a lot of people emailed us and said, hey, you know, that was helpful. I, I didn't really have a firm grip on what's been going on there. Um, and this gives me a little bit of a, of a foundation. So go and watch Monday show, those who are Mug Club members. But we want to do the same today with North Korea, because a lot of people uh, aren't super aware of what's happening with North Korea. They, there's a, there are rumors that they could be uh, testing some, some nukes uh, on Saturday because it's, it's an anniversary of some kind. Um, I, I'm pretty, I will say this, I, I'm actually more concerned with North Korea than I am with, with uh, Syria. Um, and I understand geopolitically Syria is important. And I understand the implications with, with Assad and with Putin. I get it. Uh, remember that time when we used to talk about Donald Trump being a secret Russian agent? And those were good times. <laughs> yeah. Way back in the day. But with North Korea, I mean, even if they can't hit the United States, and they very likely can't, they can hit South Korea. And they can hit all of our troops who are in military bases around there. So, uh, and they're crazy people. You know, a lot of times you're like, well, they won't do it because they know there's mutually assured self-destruction. Yeah, but this is a crazy person. This is Kim Jong-un. He's not a sane human being. I know you said it, they kind of they they, <laughs> they a little bit of saber rattling. When anybody else is getting more attention than them, it's kind of yeah, North like Korea the brothers like no no no. Listen to me. We should just send Dennis Rodman and he'll fix it. Yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> that is what happens with North Korea. By the way, Kim Jong Un went to Western schools. Why didn't we just kill him then? I don't yeah. know. We had a chance. Um, so what other capabilities? We don't know. Japan came out and said that they do believe um, North Korea is capable of striking with sarin gas. So so that's getting pretty serious. Uh, we don't want to go all the way back to the Korean War and, and necessarily kind of China and that relationship, but let's start with sort of in, in, in modern times what's been going on with North Korea. Uh, 2005, 2006, that's when they first admitted that they had nuclear weapons and they started conducting tests. So that's important. That's kind of the new era of, of North Korea and nukes. In 2007 and 2008, they shut down their main reactor and they agreed to inspections in return for massive aid packages. So kind of like a kid who was sent to his room, but he was hungry. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we cool, right? I didn't mean it. And came back, and they said, okay, we're, we're going to play nice, uh, send the massive uh, aid package. That was 2007, 2008. 2009, they decided to renege and begin testing again. <sighs> so <laughs> I had my fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> the little fingers, little fingers. Stop your little fingers. Then in 2013, there was the third nuclear uh, test. They restarted all the facilities. They fired more rockets, for those of you who missed this. By the way, I should, I should uh, preface this. Nearly every time these, these tests, have been conducted or they've launched off rockets or missiles, um, the, the reprimanding that has taken place has been the UN wagging their finger and putting in sanctions and then doing nothing. <laughs> yep. All the way back to 2005. Nothing. Zero. Uh, I think you saw that in Team America. They're talking about, ah, Hans Brex, you're breaking my ball. So that, that's pretty much, if you're going, well, how do they keep doing these tests for people who are younger who don't know? Well, it's because all that happened was, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to put you in timeout. And they just kick their dad in the balls. And Next they never got time I'm serious. Next time I'm serious. <laughs> Next time. Kimmy. Okay. Let us nuke slide. Oh, you're going to be in very big trouble, little Kimmy. Um, so I think you said 2013. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, third nuclear test refire. Uh, 2014. So they entered in talks uh, to stall. They fail. New sanctions are imposed in 2014. And then in 2016, 2017, uh, now this is where we have more tests. Uh, they claim to be able to mount nukes to missiles, and uh, they claim that they will not. They, they will attack the U.S. mainland. So I get that it's, it's it's kind of funny because a lot of people think, well, they don't have the capabilities. We really here's the, here's the truth. We don't know 
anything about their capabilities. We do know, I think it was 2005, they had a one kiloton uh, bomb, and then in 2010 it was 10 kilotons. So you can see that there is a progression there, which I find troubling. And I don't think they can hit the U.S. mainland. A lot of experts, intel experts, are, are saying that's the case, but it is kind of guesswork because North Korea is a security state, and we don't have any intel there on the ground. But we do know, at the very least, they could mess some stuff up for South Koreans, who are a great ally. Um, and uh, I, I, this would be something I'd keep my eye on. This would be something I would keep my eye on, because them acting up could create a lot of instability. But you were talking about how you don't think they will, Gerald. Because so. it's very different with China, this go-around. Yeah, they've kind of run out of friends in that neighborhood. They don't have a big backer anymore. So I think the, the politics are a little bit different right now. I do think that you're right. They are crazy. They can mess up South Korea a lot. And that's the only reason we haven't done anything right now, by the way. It's because South Korea can get nuked very quickly. Um, but no. I, don't, I don't think they're going to do it. I just think they're getting some attention. That's their game. They're doing it, but there doesn't need to be a certain point. Right, well, like we're talking about with red lines, and and yeah. that point needs to occur where yeah. we go, okay, they're an actual threat, and we just we can't know. Yeah. So I think that there's going to be a lot of guesswork, probably in this presidency, more than any in the last 20 years. I think North Korea is going to come to a head, and I think everyone's kind of been laughing about it for a while, uh, but but we'll see what the capabilities are, and if they're even remotely threatening, um, I think it's going to look like uh, the ice castle. Well, if if there's any place in the world that we should be going into, it's definitely North Korea. The problem is, who do you snipe? There's no sanity at any level in the government. Yeah, you pretty much have true. to take out all of them. Yeah, I guess. You just have to take out the entire lineage. But they do it half the time with their own relatives. Um, so I will say this. I, it's one thing to watch. It, for me, it's something that worries me more about, about Syria or Russia. Because, again, Russia is, is out for their own self-interest. I think Putin is a totalitarian who kills political dissidents. I do believe that's happened. But I think, by and large, they're not looking to conquer the West. I do think North Korea would love to. They just don't have the capabilities to. But don't yeah. take your eye off them because they are very, very crafty and very resourceful. <laughs> South Korea, you will now feel my wrath as I jujitsu your own utilities against you. <laughs> Bombs away! <laughs> Can you hear me now? <laughs> You're about to incur roaming charges. <laughs> not, a, not a big wardrobe budget there. That one came together towards the, the last minute. <laughs> but listen... Awesome. You get, if you give them an inch, South Korea, they will take a mile. Exploding phones belong in a novelty shop. <laughs> Not with Sprint. Maybe with Sprint. Maybe with Sprint. <laughs> Maybe with Sprint and Nextel. Uh, okay, we have to move on. We don't have a ton of time here. Uh, Islamic apologist, did you see this, Gerald? Jared? I, I did. Yes, I did. There's a group uh, in Australia... Uh, what is the name of it? It's Women's of blah, 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 something Australia. Anyways, influential political group, uh, Islamic group, and this has been making the rounds, been very viral, of these Muslim women. It's, it's a group for, for Muslim, for Muslim women, by Muslim women. There's no net, there's no lifetime for Muslim women. <laughs> Please, God, no. Um, <laughs> you think it's bad on lifetime. another one. It's always an affair and an abusive husband. It starts off with the abusive yeah. husband. With, with midgets. You got to add the midgets. Yes. Lifetime is full of midget shows. You know that? Um, yeah, on lifetime. Just it's true. Of them. It's Tons. true. They are overrepresented. That really bothers me. Um, well, let's go to a clip. They were explaining away how it is okay to beat your wife in Islam. These are Muslim women. Let's watch. I want to make this point very clear that he is permitted, not obliged here or not encouraged, but he's permitted to hit her. Mm, well, that's uh, uh, it. <laughs> permitted. That's exactly what my Valentine's not, Day card not, said. <laughs> <laughs> Permitted, not advocated. You exactly. say tomato, I say beat the shit out of you. So, 
And here's the thing: a lot of people Terrible. will just say, well, a lot of people will just say, well, you know, these are just ext- these are not extremists. No, these are not extremists. This is mainstream Islam. And even if you pin any Muslim down, uh, they will try to point to an example of their holiest prophet, terrorism be upon him, Muhammad, that he didn't really beat his six-year-old wife that badly. Uh, here's the exact verse. Now, I'll read it for you. He said, was it the darkness of your shadow that I saw in front of me? I said, yes. He struck me. This is Aisha writing. He struck me on the chest, which caused me pain. And then said, do you think that Allah and his apostle would deal unjustly with you? So, uh, by the way, for those who are saying, well, that's one verse taken out of context, what I would like you to do is, is, is take your Quran or Hadith and uh, open it up to um, what is commonly referred to as a page. Any page. <laughs> Pick a page. And you can fi- re- read five pages in any direction. Um, uh, first off, before I move on, Gerald, because you, you've taught a lot about this, yeah. is, th- is this an extremist group that's, that's outside of... Uh, we know Muhammad did this, but how common has it been historically in Islam to beat your wives? It's very common, and I think if you, if you have the time, watch before and after that clip that we showed, because before they're like, you can, you can sternly warn her, and if she doesn't come around, you can deny her sex, essentially. You yeah. won't sleep with her. <laughs> yeah. Deny her sex. And then, You're holding all the then, leverage there, Qaddafi. <laughs> you know? You're not going to get any of these hairy paint. <laughs> that may not have been the best option for them. But then his Hitting her uh, is last, and she said, he's permitted, but he's not prescribed. And then right after that, she goes, and it's such a beautiful thing. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> she said that right You're, after that? Right after that. It's such a beautiful thing. Why didn't we include thing. that in this clip? I don't know. It's hilarious. I was like, are you, that's, that's real life? This happened? Yeah, and, and where are the feminists? Where, yeah. Again, for example, out, out there, and I know people just say you sound hypocritical because uh, let's worry about our own country. But this is being uploaded to Facebook yeah. as as. Uh, a justification for Islam. It's a justification to beat their wives. So I'm not saying you have to go in and start an organization in the middle in every Middle Eastern country. I'm not saying feminists, you have to start up an organization in Iran or start up an organization in Palestine. What I'm saying is when they even come into your own backyard and post a video encouraging and teaching people how men can beat their wives according to their religion, Where's Brianna Wu? Where's Lacey Green? Where are, where's Naomi Wolf? Where are any feminists on this? And I don't mean it should just be a peep or a comment. This is some, if you want to censor the internet, for cra- how is this allowed to stay up on Facebook? We say Beyonce dances like a whore, and she does. It gets removed. But ah, if you only beat your wife lightly. Zuckerberg's on board? <laughs> he didn't even say lightly. It just said beat your wife. You can beat her. You tried two things. Third strike, she's out. Sorry. What galactical wormhole did I fall into where this is okay on Facebook and, and, and nobody is talking about it on the left? Emma Watson was busy for comment. Yes, Emma Watson was too. <laughs> she could not be reached for comment. I, 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 it really is remarkable. And, and again, I, I always say this. Don't look to the Muslim who's in your college class who goes with you to the bar because they're basically a secularized Muslim. Look wherever Muslims uh, congregate and create power. Look at any Muslim country throughout history. Look at anywhere Muslims either become a majority or, or wherever Muslims even have a small portion of that country where they become a majority, as you see in the UK, as you see in France, as you see in Sweden. This is always what happens. Not sometimes, not kind of. Even when you point back to the great advances made under the Ottoman Empire, even when you point back and you try and claim that they created the modern numerical system, which is debatable considering the influence from the Greeks, even when you go back and try and claim all of these great things that was invented under Muslim society, guess what? Their wives were still getting the hell beaten out of them and it was okay. So it's always sucked. Islam is the enemy of Western civilization. Islam. Not all Muslims, but Muhammad and Islam. I think that's fair. Watch this get removed and that thing stay up. Watch YouTube demonetize this video and that one's going to have Tampax Pearl faster than you can say jihad. (laughs) 
such a weird sponsor. It's a very coveted demographic for tan packs. They feel that they've been using pads for far too long. Oh, that's true. Try the pearl. It'll change your point of view. Speaking of things that really, this is just, it's not necessarily news. We have to get to Paul Joseph Watson and then Dennis Prager. Bothers me a lot. Can we stop with the female, the female hero, the female badasses? Yes. Can we stop with that? I, I, do we all, when is this unwritten agreement where you all have to act like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm impressed. Oh yeah, alias. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I, I buy that Ronda Rousey would beat 230 pound men. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like, we, like if we say something, it's, we're sexist or if we act as though we don't want to see these films. It was Atomic Blonde now is the latest one with Charlize Theron. You can see here that the trailer number two was released where she beats every single man in an unrealistic fashion. And everyone tries to act like, oh, yeah, see, women can be badass, too. I just look at this. That's just nowhere in the natural realm does this even occur. Oh, a front kick. Doesn't send her back. <laughs> they, 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 with female badass and superheroes, I get it. Wonder Woman, okay, it's supernatural. You can, yeah. do, you can do anything you want with it. But just no, like... Secret agents, the whole kind of female James Bond, the female John Wick thing. It is unbelievable, and that's why you have to suspend the laws of all physics to make yeah. it seem like they could win a fight. <laughs> is it me? Or like, is that a garden hose around her shoulder there? What is she doing? I, I feel like there was a meeting that I wasn't there for where we're all supposed to act as though, in the right circumstance, women can be as tough as men. You just have to go to the right Japanese guy hidden in the mountains of some crazy <laughs> mountain, and that guy will teach you the tricks to be right. kick ass everywhere you go. No, what you have to do is you have to run and stand in front of her and count to three before you actually do anything and let her hit you. <laughs> Are you serious? What is he waiting on? I don't, you know, and I know I'm going to get flack for this because Courtney got a bunch of flack when she wrote this article. Um, okay, let me show you a couple, let me show you two clips here that I watched. And it, here's the, the truth is, I know that films are supposed to suspend reality, but not when the filmmakers go out and say, this shows that women can be badass. This shows that women can be just as tough as guys. That's the cell. That's the feminist cell. I want to show you two clips where I, I, I couldn't stop myself from laughing so hard, it just removed me from it. That's why I can't watch this film. Let's see these two instances, and I'll, I'll give you a play-by-play. -play. Okay, front kick. That's the second time she sends a guy flying with a front kick. That doesn't happen. Okay, and here, this is my favorite. Look. She, she, she takes out trained killers by hitting them with an empty Whoa. high heel. <laughs> When I first watched it, I said, oh, it must be a heel with like a blade, like Austin Powers. No, she's, she's just whacking him with a shoe, like an old lady who, who's being mugged in Central Park. Okay, uh, the first one, where she's hitting with a heel, just, just to prove to you how unrealistic this is, and I don't believe me, the, 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 the symbolism of the female empowerment, the high heel, the feminine, combined with the badassery, <laughs> is not lost on me. Uh, I allowed Not Get Jared to hit me as hard as humanly possible with his high heel. Watch. Okay, exact same scenario, but we removed the headrest here so that you could, so he might even be able to generate more force. Jared holding the stiletto the exact same way, clearly stronger than a woman. Life and death struggle. Would this stop me? Go. Go. Come here, you little shit. <laughs> I love the noise he made. What are you? What are you related to? Oh, now or something? For those who can't see, I'm not saying that it's pleasant. <laughs> but you would still kill him. Yeah, it's unpleasant. Don't get me wrong. It's unpleasant. But it's like your little sister grabbing your hair. It's like, you know. Yeah, stop it. And then you get her to marry a, an Islamist who beats her because justice is a dish best served cold. Um, <laughs> then there's the front kick where she front kicks and it sends a guy flying. That doesn't happen. I'll show you exactly why. Again, I noticed twice we see Charlize Theron defying the laws of physics because urgh, she's a strong woman. Two times she front kicks a guy and he goes flying. Now I want to uh, clarify, it's possible to send someone flying with a push kick or a stomp kick, but to do that you need to be going forward to gain leverage. So we are going to allow Jarrett, again, stronger than a woman, surprising I know, he beat Courtney in the arm wrestling match. We are going to allow him 
the opportunity to front kick me to the chest as hard as humanly possible, as many times as possible, and I will stand, I won't take a staggered stance to see if he can kick me back. Okay, so uh, Jared, not get Jared, face me. Okay, lift one leg up for a second. Now, Edward, the sound guy, come back here. Go back to back to make sure he's straight. Okay, now you can put your leg down. Okay, uh, this should be about my distance. Okay, Edward, your services are no longer required. Now, Jared, I want you to, you can, you can wind up and kick me in my arms as hard as possible. Not... <laughs> <laughs> it can't be done. Come on! Damn it! <laughs> By the way, <laughs> don't think that I, he kicked me in the balls first. I was about first. to say, he kicked you in the balls the first time. It wasn't even close. The oak plank, that's how Houdini died. And uh, one more just because... Uh, one more. Bonus round, the ultimate female empowerment shot. Can I, as many female heroes have done in the past, hold a man against a wall against his will with merely my stiletto. <laughs> it didn't take long. Again, the laws of physics, a front kick will kick you back. And if you're holding someone again, they have a wall! <laughs> they have all the leverage in the world. What do we see that we saw in Charlie's Angels, uh, Dark Knight, uh, uh, I think Scarlett Johansson. How often do we see that stupid stiletto shot? I'm sitting there like, he has a, he's a, he has a wall! But it looks so good on TV. It just, it just, it just, it just honors the golden oh, mean, golden my rules. Gosh. It's so silly. What looks good is Stephen in heels. You know, a part <laughs> of me thinks that we deserve whatever North Korea has in store for us. <laughs> we'll be right back. We have uh, Paul Joseph Watson, then Dennis Prager. Ooh. water on my forehead. Really? Just start, yeah. No joke. Is that or I'm bleeding from my scalp. Uh, I don't know what just happened. That totally interfered with my Street Fighter dance. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no clue where this came from. Uh, our next guest, you know him, you love him. People were very excited that we have uh, him and Dennis Prager on the same show. What a lineup. Uh, you know him on the YouTubes, uh, Prison Planet, and you know he's going to be hosting actually Alex Jones' show. Yeah. Uh, I believe the show there Good in stuff. Austin. I don't know if he'll be in Austin next week. But as for now, he's still across the pond. Paul Joseph Watson, how are you, sir? Good, Stephen. Thanks for having me back. It's been a while. Thank you. Now, sometimes you look like you just woke up from a nap, or is that just your thing? 
I think it's the red eyes. I've just got permanently bloodshot eyes from staring at a computer for 16 hours a day, but yeah. I get that comment a lot. You and my former Uber driver, he said he had macular degeneration while he was driving me to the airport. He's like, it's fine out here, and in, but it's just like right here, which is what I need to drive. And so I still five-starred him <laughs> because I felt guilty not. I've made a similar sacrifice. If I look up at a blue sky now, it's just floating black bits in my eye. It's just, it's not going well. It is degenerating in a hurry. <laughs> well, that's because you're not supposed to stare at the sun, Paul. Um, <laughs> so, so, okay, you, you've caught some flack and you've caught some support this week. We were talking about this. Uh, a lot has developed even today. But with Donald Trump, you were obviously um, a supporter there, obviously against Hillary Clinton. I think everyone was. And uh, you were not thrilled, tell me if I'm mischaracterizing, with, with his, uh, his, his missile strikes in, in uh, Syria. <laughs> Well, you know, Stephen, I've been speaking about that issue for about, what is it, six years now since the Syrian civil war started. I couldn't suddenly just come out and say, oh, yeah, I've I've campaigned against this for six years and said that it would be a terrible idea. Hillary wanted to do it. Obama nearly did it. There was the big revolt within the military. We don't want to be al-Qaeda's air force. So I can't suddenly just turn turn around and do a complete 180 and say, now that Trump's doing it, it's perfectly fine and I support it which is a lot of people weren't in that position right. after this big fallout over the past two weeks because their whole shtick is they support Donald Trump and that's their only pivot point. They can't pivot to any other issue. They can't really talk about any other subject. It's we love Trump, we support Trump, we trust everything he says. So they're in a bind. So yeah. If he does something that Hillary Clinton literally called for hours before it happened, in the case of the airstrike on Syria, they can't get out of that that bind because their entire short-lived internet career over the past what 18 months since you know the Trump phenomenon yeah. arose to prominence is based on supporting Trump and nothing else. Yeah. So Th I understand why they they can't even question him at this point. But you know, we don't live in North Korea. It's okay to question dear leader. You can still support him and have questions about some of his recent policies which are causing concern right I, I think it's totally valid I, I agree with you even even if I don't necessarily or some people in this room don't necessarily agree with your position on Syria um, they agree with the position of consistency and, and I will say how you know that happened with dare the, he. how dare he um, you know that happened with the alt-right right it was it was a witch hunt for anyone who didn't support Donald Trump I think a lot of people thought you might be in that camp um, I, I know that you weren't, but some people might have falsely thought that because the alt-right was, I remember even at one point, I was like, well, you know what? I actually think Ted Cruz is probably more conservative. Let's attack. Let's flood the, the dislikes. Let's flood the comment section. And, uh, and that was good money, right, for a while. You and I know this. If you 100% supported Trump for a while, that was really good money. Having a nuanced view or a balanced or consistent view was not good. I think I see that changing, though, now because just the anti-establishment uh, angle isn't enough. So have you, have you felt that? Have you felt some other people kind of on your, your team with like, yeah, I can't support this if I was against it uh, for six years? No, I'm but aside from people who have talked about Syria for six years, Michael Savage, Ann Coulter, Stefan Molyneux, you know, Rush Limbaugh to a certain extent, all these people people have got huge audiences. They immediately came out and said, this is a ridiculous idea. What are we doing? Trump literally tweeted about 25 times since 2012, 2013, an intervention in Syria helping the rebels, the jihadist rebels that Hillary Clinton and Obama helped to arm and fund this is going to be a bad idea. Let's not do this. Let's not get involved. So for him to then to turn around and do exactly that, let's not forget that this airbase that they 
supposedly bombed. And, you know, some reports say, oh, we wiped out 20% of their air force. Some reports say half of the missiles didn't even hit. This air base was about an hour away from a Christian town in northern Hamar that is being besieged by ISIS every single day. And that air base was used to defend this town against ISIS. So whether it's been taken out or not, if it's not, you know, we had the reports it was up and running a couple of days later. Other reports said it had been taken out. Those Christians in that town were put directly at risk. Right. That normally wouldn't fly with, quote, conservative Trump supporters, many of whom are pro-life, many of whom are Christians themselves. But again, that wasn't factored into the equation. There was no investigation. A top MIT professor has come out today and said the evidence clearly suggests to him this ordinance, this uh, munition was not dropped from the air, that it, it was exploded on the ground. You had the white helmets who were aligned with the jihadist rebels going in there, some of them without gloves, without masks, touching these victims. So there were numerous questions. There hasn't been a major investigation. There was an investigation of Ghouta back in 2013. The UN said that the rebels did it. Right. And it later came out, Seymour Hirsch said that they mishandled chemical weapons, and that's what set off that explosion. So it's not tinfoil hattery conspiracy theory land to suggest that it might be a false flag, given that all the motivation for pulling it off lies with the rebels. That's not well, completely Well, here would be, here would be my record. question there, then. Who, who created the false flag? Is that the Trump administration at that point? Uh, I mean, if we know that, you know, Putin obviously backs Assad. I, I've heard this out there. I'm not saying that you're inherently wrong. I don't know that I that I buy it yet. Um, I think that Donald Trump, regardless, is responding emotionally. And I don't think that's yeah. a good thing. I think he's responding emotionally. And I think it's hard to not be emotional. But if it's a oh. false flag, who staged it? What's what's the answer there? Well, Firstly, when, when you say it's a false flag, the media reacts and like, how dare you question this? Look right. at the dead children. Yeah, that's horrible. We're not saying that people didn't die. We're not saying that this is horrible. We're saying let's look into it. Who has the motive? Uh, Robert Perry came out, big Iran-Contra journalist, you know, award-winning journalist. He's got sources. They're just as reliable as these unnamed sources that we're suddenly told to trust. Right. Whereas before, when Trump was a Russian agent, they were all lying, but now we have to trust them. But his sources <laughs> yeah, told There's, there's him not that, a whole lot of Russian agent talk anymore after this. <laughs> At least well, no, that went away. That's disappeared. And that is a relief to an extent, because I was sick of talking about it every single day. It was boring as hell. But yeah, well, I think Robert Lawrence Perry came out and said that his source said that this there was a drone with these chemical weapons on that came from a a Saudi-Israeli base in Jordan and that they were responsible. But who knows? There hasn't been an investigation. What we do know is that Del Ponte, the UN investigator, came out in 2013 and said the Ghouta chemical weapons attack was because the Saudis gave chemical weapons to the rebels. They mishandled right. them. There was an explosion. Then they used it to try and sell this intervention exactly as they did on this occasion. And, you know, that do, area do you know where also, the chemical weapon attack happened, it wasn't a militarily significant area. Like, there were no huge concentrations of, of rebels in that particular particular area. So it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, Let me ask a Tillerson couple of came out March 31st, said Assad is part of Syria's future. ISIS was on the run. They're restricted to these few remaining areas. Why on earth would he turn the entire world against him once again by staging this? 
for no benefit. There wasn't even an offensive going on in that area at the, at the time. It just makes no sense. Okay, so moving because we don't have we don't have a definitive answer to that, right? You're asking questions, but let me ask you this question: um, as you've talked about being consistent here, do you find it grating that a lot of people who are in this always support Trump cam, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, everything good that happens is Donald Trump. And everything bad that happens is Jared Kushner or Ivanka. Have you noticed that's kind of the new thing? It's like, well, this really, I know Donald didn't want to do it, but this is Kushner. It's his fault. And that's one of those things to me that's just like, you know, kind of like Trump care. They're like, oh, it's Paul Ryan care. Well, listen, Obama didn't draft the bill by himself. He called it Obamacare. You know, the health care bill ultimately rests at the feet of the president. Have you noticed those kind of mental gymnastics as someone who's consistent? And does it does it get your goat? I've noticed it among some people, but a lot of them are going further now and just outright supporting Kushner and Ivanka as well. It's true. They're just, if Trump says it's true, if Trump says it's good, it's good. So they've gone beyond that level now. In fact, there's, there's a guy called Bill Mitchell who I, I've been having a back and forth with on Twitter. I debated him. He debated uh, Stefan Molyneux as well. And Trump will tweet a picture of him having a meeting with business leaders in the Oval Office. And Bill Mitchell's response to that is, Oh my God, another massive win. And it's like, it's a picture of Trump having a meeting with some people. <laughs> I, I, How I is don't that know a you're... massive win? I don't know what you're Not everything about. is a massive win. Yeah. It's just complete, it's ridiculous. Uh, well, I don't even know that the, that the Trump uh, election is necessarily a massive win as we see now. It was a win, but the, we went in with some trepidation and there are a lot of things that he, I think he's had a rough week, to be honest. I don't think he's had a very good week. Um, I think he's had a rough couple of weeks. So uh, l- let me ask you about this first and then we'll go back to the... Uh, uh, Syria deal. How do you feel about this just obviously happened today? Uh, the the big, the mother of all bombs dropped in Afghanistan, you know, since that's on ISIS. Do you have a different view on that? Definitely, unless it comes out that it killed like 200 civilians. But we, we also had the incident where they uh, bombed, I think it was the Kurds who were fighting ISIS in a, in a different area of Syria. That killed 18 troops who were supposedly on our side. Right. But, you know, in this instance, I'm glad that Trump is dropping bombs on ISIS uh, and not dropping leaflets like Obama did. You remember that report <laughs> back a few years ago where they had the trucks with the ISIS allies dr- driving the oil, transporting the oil, and like two hours before they would drop a leaflet saying, excuse me, this bomb that's coming in two hours might cause environmental damage. And of course, they all got out of the area and no one died. So I'm glad that he's dropping bombs and not leaflets. Actually, you're misreported. They dropped Jehovah's Witnesses who were passing out leaflets. Quick, send the Jehovah's Witnesses. (laughs) Okay, I give, uncle. Um, You know, a lot of people don't know that, though. We dropped leaflets in uh, Japan before dropping the A-bomb to let them know. They're saying leaflets. for That's one thing that people don't know. Like, there was no warning. There was plenty of warning. So leaflets usually usually uh, are used to precede uh, uh, the big attack, which never occurred with Barack Obama. Okay, going back to Syria then. Um, Assad is bad. ISIS is bad. They're bad people. So disregarding kind of what's more stable for the Middle East, what should the United States do? Because you don't sound like a complete non-interventionist. Do you just think that Syria is not somewhere we should be involved in? Be be gone out of there like uh, Acme Coyote leaving a trail of puff of smoke? I think we should help them fight ISIS and get the hell out of there. I mean, look at what happened in Libya. I mean, I did a poll Uh, on Twitter, which is, you know, half haters, half supporters at this point with Trump saying, if you support the intervention in Libya, did you also support Obama's intervention and toppling of Gaddafi? And it was like 25% said they supported both. So there's still a complete inconsistency there. But no, I I think we should support ISIS. 
uh, support um, Assad rather. That soundbite's going to be taken out of context. <laughs> this <laughs> man like says Sean we Spicer. should support ISIS. Sean, <laughs> Sean Spicer said that they plan to destabilize Syria like three days in a row. But uh, he um, is a moron. Can yeah. we agree on that? Sean Spicer is just a he, he is he is barely walking upright. He's dumber than a bag of hammers. That guy has to go. He is under a hell of a lot of pressure every day, but he has made several major uh, <laughs> errors in recent days. Yeah. And not necessarily, I don't think that the whole gassing thing was the biggest one. I think he, he literally said like three times, one our goal is to destabilize Syria. Nobody really picked him up on it. Right. But no, I think it's a complete disaster. The intervention in Libya directly caused the migrant crisis. It fed into Syria. No, we should stay the hell out of there every opportunity we get. Unless it's it's a direct threat to you know America or Britain. I mean that's I've had that line consistently my entire adult life. So why would I change it now? Right. Trump is not Kim Jong Un. It's not a cult of personality. It's okay to question his decisions and who he's being advised by. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, um, we had a conversation where I was more non-interventionist and Gerald thought it was time to go in. And we even had disagreements in this room. And I think that yeah. those are healthy. Um, final question. What about the freaky little Muppet over there in North Korea? So, you know, he's saying that they have capabilities. Uh, obviously, they have they have 10 times the uh, sort of nuclear or chemical arsenal that they used to have. It's They don't have the, the missile. We don't know because we have no intel there because it's a security state. Yeah. But uh, if they keep acting up and they keep talking about, you know, taking out a lot of people, not only in the United States, but at the very least, they could do South Korea and some military bases. Um, it, it's an interesting question because I know you're more in the school of Rand Paul with that. At what point does the United States get involved with uh, a spot like North Korea, who's becoming more of a thorn in the side of the free world? Well, as, as far as I understand it, he doesn't yet have the capability to strike the U.S. I mean, if he was literally shooting up missiles, which they can still shoot down at this point, as far as I understand it, then yeah, it's a very different situation. What most people don't take into account is if there was an attack on a North Korean uh, nuclear reactor or even just shooting down one of their ballistic missiles, they would probably start something with South Korea. I mean, they sunk a South Korean ship, what, back in 2010 and killed like 50 people. South Korea sat back and did nothing. I think they did it in but 2016. Uh, it was even more recent, I think, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he probably will just go into South Korea and it will start a conflict that will kill millions of people. I mean, that's what most of the experts say. So. I think you need to be very careful about it. The good news is that China's come out and seems to be, um, you know, more accommodating of doing something about it themselves. They've turned back the, I think it was the coal that they were taking from North Korea. So, but I mean, it's, it's a difficult situation. It's very different from Syria because you have a population where it is almost, to make that comparison, it is almost Hitler, Nazi Germany, like where, in fact, it's worse in some aspects. Yeah, oh, they no, the North Koreans have, are terrible. If you look at the way they treat yeah. prisoners, they really are awful, awful. very comparable to Nazis. 200,000 people in concentration camps, political dissidents. Yeah. Women get pregnant. The guards will literally stamp the baby to death while yeah. it's still inside the, the womb. Absolutely abysmal. I think there's a there's a documentary called Camp Zone 14, which explains it. And, you know, these these aren't biased reports. These are established. People have escaped to China. They've escaped to the West. They're all telling the same story. Right. So it's very difficult. Although, you know, Assad is a dictator and a strong man. The absolute torture and terror that's going on in North Korea. I would support a 
an uprising from the North Korean people, but it's never going to happen because they're completely brainwashed and they're they're starved. They spend all the money on the military. But yeah. again, it's well, a, they it's spend a, a lot of it on Kim Jong himself. He doesn't look like he's missed a meal in a while. Um, no. no, it's like you could line up. A, you could line up every North Korean, and just just from uh, you could have a mile view. You'd be able to say that's Kim Jong yes. right away because he's the only one. Um, oh gosh, we, we don't have a ton of time. We have Dennis Prager coming up next. Uh, Paul Joseph Watson, where can people best find you, or do you have any closing thoughts? I don't want to cut you off. Uh, they can find me on YouTube. Just uh, search for my name or Twitter at Prison Planet. Um, the only other thing is is the YouTube issue, which we didn't get to touch upon, but that's a big deal right now. It doesn't really affect me with the uh, demonetization because I don't make money off of it. But it's clearly the fact that the mainstream media is losing its audience. You know, like Fox News' average viewer is 68. CNN's average viewer is 60, uh, 59, sorry. So, I mean, that's why they're extremely worried about it. And the right is dominating YouTube. I said that on Twitter. Yeah. They all laughed at me. Then Vice came out and said, no, he's actually right. Conservatives are dominating YouTube. That's what they're concerned about. They're concerned about PewDiePie having 54 million subscribers and not being controlled by a media conglomerate. You know, he gets three, four million views a day. That's almost equal as Bill Riley. That's why they're concerned about it. That's why they're pulling out the advertising. Yeah, well, I, you know what? I'd love to have you back to talk about that specifically. We've had people discuss that. Uh, I, I just knew that uh, you had an interesting take on Syria. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people aren't necessarily aware. Karen Strawn will be on. She had a, a good take on that. YouTube's capital is their viewers. They've lost money, but now mainstream media wants access to the capital. And so they're, the best way to do it is to force out the people who beat them consistently uh, in online content. If that happens, I think it'll cannibalize itself. So I do think long term, YouTube will probably have a rebalancing of itself but let's have you back soon uh, if we can if you're if you're ever stateside too let's have you back and and talk about the youtube thing paul joseph watson follow him on youtube even though they're demonetizing him and we'll be back dennis prager Ooh, dennis prager I mean, we're getting interpretive dance here. I got that. I got that uh, our next you. guest, I'm thrilled, thrilled to have our next guest. Uh, I've wanted to have him on for a while. I am a longtime listener, nationally syndicated radio host, and of course, the creator, the founder of the feast of PragerUniversity.com. Mr. Dennis Prager, thank you for being here, sir. Sir, it is good to be with you, and you made one of our videos. This is true. I did. I made one of your videos over there, and um, I, I believe it was about democratic socialism and was surprised as to how well it did, because it's generally not a super entertaining topic, the democratic socialism. <laughs> 
But you were entertaining. We make it entertaining, and we do have a huge built-in base. So it's a good combination. You do. It is remarkable. And I think a lot of people out there, uh, a lot of younger people now know who you are. I think they don't necessarily know, though, that you uh, are almost single-handedly responsible for really introducing a lot of people like Christine Hoff Summers to the more conservative sphere. Um, you know, Prager University was a, was a big platform for her. I know you've worked with Adam Carolla. So you've managed to bridge some of those divides that a lot of sort of cable news talking heads or AM radio hosts just, just haven't. And I'll tell you from my perspective as a longtime listener, I've always loved that you do like the male-female hour is one that I really like, um, the, uh, the ultimate issues hour. Um, explain to people who don't know, they think of AM radio as all uh, Republican and Democrat politics, but you're one of the only hosts I can think of who gets into, listen, you need to fundamentally think about issue A, B, and C to know where you line up. And I think that's lost well, a lot. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's really the reason or the biggest reason for 35 years of radio. And I think I'm the longest continuous uh, radio show in the U.S. right now. Wow. And uh, it's not a boast. I mean, it sounds boastful, but it's not meant Slightly, to be a boast. Slightly, but it's okay. We'll allow it's meant it. to make your point, and that is if all I did was news, I, I would not uh, have had the success. I, I The truth is, if I had my choice, I would do very little news. And I would only do tremendous issues. See, I'm as interested in, in the, you said the male-female hour. Yeah. I'm as interested in how men and women relate and the differences between men and women as I am in, uh, in, in anything going on in the world today. Right. So uh, because ultimately that's the stuff that determines things. See, you said the ultimate issues hour. Love it. Uh, here's, here's just one example. Okay. I realized in my first year of radio that the great divide between liberals and conservatives, and they didn't know it. That's what was so fascinating. Liberals didn't know it, and conservatives didn't know it. I mean, some did, obviously. Well, yeah. But the great divide was over this question. Do you think people are basically good? Because if you think people are basically good, then if a person rapes, murders, steals, mugs, then you blame outside forces, right? society, poverty, racism. Mm -hmm. But if you don't believe people are basically good, then you, you say, well, wait a minute, you're responsible, not society. And that's the difference in a nutshell. You can almost trace every difference between conservative and, and liberal views just right. to that question. That's why Ultimate Issues Hour is so big. It is. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about that a lot on this show where we go macro on a lot of topics. For example, we were just talking yesterday about how capitalism, free enterprise can only, similar to your fundamental question, but we were discussing economics, a free enterprise can only work under a system where people are optimistic. Uh, communism can only work under pessimism and greed. I mean, this idea that if you're greedy in a capitalist system, great. You, you still don't get free stuff. You still have to do something for it, right? Um, right? And that question, too, are people fundamentally good or bad? That also goes back to, gosh, I, I have not had enough to, to drink to discuss. This goes back to <laughs> spirituality and obviously kind of how people are created and, and whose who's image. Um, right. well, let me ask you about this, because during the election, too, it, obviously you had to discuss politics. But you talked about how, and ultimately you supported Donald Trump against Hillary, as I think everyone did. But you talked about how it was concerning that it seemed as though he often hadn't really considered some of these fundamental issues. And I felt that way too. For example, you know, issues like abortion or things. Well, how do you be 72 and, and, and switch your opinion within six months? Well, the truth here was, here was my evolution. I, I was adamantly opposed to him 
uh, from the from the outset. And I wrote column after column in National Review. I have a syndicated column, and it, right. that's one of the places that carried it in town hall. But I said from my first column, if he's nominated, I will support him. Oh, wait, real quick. I, I wasn't saying you changed your opinion. I meant Donald Trump changed his opinion on, on life, pro-abortion to pro-life. No, I know. Yeah. I'm answering okay. you. I'm answering. Yes. Yeah, so okay. I, I understood that. Okay. I didn't want you to think so I was saying you flip-flopped. One, no, I'm, 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 I'm really backing up your point. Okay, good. Uh, that it was clear to me, or it seemed to me, he had not thought through any of these, what we call ultimate issues. Right. So that was, you know, reason number 47, why I found him troubling. <laughs> okay. I didn't believe, I didn't believe he was a conservative. Right. I mean, I had a hundred good reasons, but no matter who the Republican is, it's better than a Democrat. Right. Pe people don't understand the threat that the left poses to Western civilization. That's my message. Right. The, the left is a greater, ultimately, is a more lethal threat to the West than uh, than ISIS is. You know, I think a lot of people would agree with you. And, uh, you know, something, too, I remember back when Perez Hilton, there was the Miss America scandal, and you went on CNN to debate Perez, not debate, but talk with Perez Hilton about, uh, was it Carrie Prejean who, who, who mentioned marriage? And uh, it was a huge thing back then. And I remember right. watching you on CNN with Perez Hilton, and you were so thoughtful, and you were so articulate, and Perez Hilton just kind of screeched. And I remember back then, you know, the reaction was split among people my age. We're just going, oh, yeah, I think Perez Hilton really got the better of him. But today, that's fundamentally shifted, where I've noticed millennials are actually listening to what people have to say. And I think a big reason why you've actually become really popular in a lot of our circles, for example, extending the male-female hour, um, third-wave feminism, right? That's become such a cancer to young men that someone who speaks honestly about, you know, biological sexual differences is almost, you're almost a, a trailblazer now. Traditionalism is almost, is almost rebellious. That's fascinating to hear. Uh, I, this is, this is very important for me to hear uh, what you're saying. See, I have this bizarre belief that uh, truth uh, is awesome in every generation. <laughs> right. You know, when, when, when I talk about male-female differences, you know, that just a simple one, all right? Men are infinitely more visually stimulated sexually than right. women are, right? I mean, there, there are no ads featuring men's legs. Well, let me think. Not yeah, Jerry, didn't you pull a couple of those in Sweden at one point? But that wasn't a very specific neighborhood. It was, it was and a bar. small circulation. Okay, let's yeah. let them, even, yeah. All right, no, no, even that's fine. Even <laughs> for gays, men's legs are great. Right. Gay men prove my point. Yes, they are stimulated looking at good-looking men as I am at looking at good-looking women. Right. But it's not true for lesbians, and it's not true for heterosexual women. A hundred other things stimulate them, but the visual is is not the same in any in any shape or form. Yep. Anyway, my point is that it's almost like you know I, I I've lived long enough to see wide ties in fashion, <laughs> narrow ties in fashion. So what I do is I keep the last one that went out of fashion. Then I wait about twenty years, and they're in. And, yes. I, and I've saved a, a bundle of money. There you go. <laughs> it's like ideas. They're just good ideas are going to come back. 
There you go. Dennis Prager has a, has a rack full of bell bottoms and skinny ties in his closet. Um, that's right. That is fat. Well, and, and that's also something that's interesting. If you even look at fashion, you know, that's something that I've studied sort of as it relates to human sexuality. We had this ultra feminine era in the seventies, right? It made men look like women, bell bottoms, narrow shoulders, tight tops. And then the eighties were a rejection of it where women looked masculine with shoulder pads. And it's just, it's something that I think a lot of people overlooked in particularly in the era of feminism where it went unquestioned. I mean, in my lifetime, feminism went unquestioned for a good two decades because people were terrified. And now fewer women identify as feminists than ever. And I think a big part of it is because of people like Christine Hoff Summers and the work that you do. Have you gotten a lot of a lot of feedback on that from millennials or, or Generation Z, particularly oh, feminism? Well, do you know this is mind-boggling. We This year we'll have 350 million views, wow. which is, is enormous. It's beyond belief to me, frankly. That's huge. Huge. And do you know that according to Facebook and YouTube, the biggest single segment is under 35 years of age? Yeah. Well, that, that's us. That's us, too. The average <laughs> viewer is a 28 year old male. Yep. And uh, since you work with Prager University, must be we've noticed a huge shift in the last, I'd say, two years where things that we would say at one point, even Bernie Sanders is a great example. Pre-election, anything critical of Bernie Sanders, like democratic socialism, we would still be excoriated online. People were furious. And after the election, since Bernie Sanders has tipped his hand and he's trans this and Black Lives Matter that and 1% this, we've seen those older videos skyrocket in views and people like it versus dislike with Bernie Sanders. In the last six months, there's been a shift. Huh. Do you think a big part of that is is uh, President Trump sort of breaking down the ideas of political correctness? Or do you just think it's, it's a symptom of culture at large more where they're tired of it? Uh, oh, I think it's both. Uh, it doesn't work. Yeah. Here's another. Here's an. We do have a few. We on on the right. We do have a few advantages. One of them is, it's a secret, but every poll reveals this. Yeah. We're happier. It's true. It is true. Yeah. How could it not be true? If you're a black and you think every white is out to screw you, how can you be happy? If you're a Jew and you think every non-Jew is a latent anti-Semite, how are you going to be happy? If you're a woman and you think every man is a misogynist, how are you going to be happy? But if you have a more realistic view of mankind, and in America in particular, where in fact the vast majority of whites only want blacks to do well, yeah. the vast majority of men love women, don't hate women, the vast majority of non-Jews, I could tell you as a Jew who has written a major book on, on, uh, on uh, anti-Semitism, that in all of the 4,000 years of Jewish history, Jews have lived the best in the United States of America, most honored, most respected, least anti-Semitism. But uh, this stuff now about this anti-Semitism that came in with Trump, it was all a lie. The calls into Jewish community centers, uh, you know, hundreds of Jewish community centers got calls. Right. Over, right. Over, there were two guys responsible. One was a black radical and one, the overwhelming responsibility was a Jewish kid in Israel, a nut. Right. Yeah, I know. Exactly. A, a, a self-loathing nutbag would be more of a term there. That's um, fair. Well, and you also right. say you also do the happiness hour. I think a lot of people don't know this. You, you talk about how it's your moral obligation to be happy. Yes. And that to I'm me very, stuck with me. I am very touched. Really, I am that 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 you, you know, I have great respect for you that you have taken a lot of this stuff so seriously. That's my I've written a book on happiness. I do the show every week for 18 years now, every week. Mm -hmm. But that's the biggest theme of mine, that happiness is a, a moral obligation 
and not just a, a, a psychological or emotional state. I owe it to everyone in my life, my wife, my kids, my parents, my, my colleagues at work, the guy in the elevator next to me, the guy sitting next to me on an airplane, I owe to every one of them to have a cheerful demeanor. It is a moral obligation. And do you know that is the toughest speech for high school kids to hear that I give? Right. That your feelings should not determine how you behave. Right. They have never been taught that. That and we're putting the porn lock on your laptop. That is a really <laughs> rough conversation with a 14-year-old. Um, but how do you, if some people say, well, first off, I think that comes from a biblical perspective, right, of, of love, that love is an action. Love isn't an emotion. It's how you right. act toward people. What right. do you say when young people say, well, what if I'm just having a really rough go and they legitimately are, you know, they've been dealt a bad hand and they're miserable? How do they, quote unquote, act, you know, happy? Uh, the, uh, if I said to them, I have a lot of answers. One, if I said to them, I'll tell you what, no matter how lousy it is, if I gave you a thousand dollars a day to act cheerful, you think you could do it? Yeah. Of course they could. It's not an issue. Uh, it's, uh, pe people, uh, uh, people don't realize this is argument number two. They're not alone. Right. They think the unhappy think that those who walk around acting happy have life easier than they do. Hello. Not right. true. Right. We all have a tough life. Yeah. All of us. Well, and you, and you know what? Um, that was really a, a tough thing for me in the stand up community, because there's this idea of, oh, I'm this miserable, uh, conflicted comic and I'm addicted to mescaline and I'm on my eighth wife. And oh, uh, but 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 I'm so conflicted. It's because I'm an intellectual. And it just we're just like, no, you're just kind of, you're just kind of an ass. You're just at a certain point. You're just a jerk. If it, at some point it's you. And that's become really popular, the neurotic narcissism in comedy. And right. that's what it is. Being perpetually unhappy is ultimately narcissism. Well, going back to the, unfortunately, the political, if you will. Sure, go ahead. I believe at the heart of leftism is narcissism. How I feel is all that matters. Yeah. That's what, they're, that's what they said on Yale to those professors that they got rid of. Hey, how I feel is all that matters. So th there's no objective truth. Right. Is, is, is really, is Yale racist? Give me a break. Yeah. Almost the phrase sounds silly when you say it out loud. Is Yale racist? But they are saying Yale is racist. So right. it's 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 almost you can't write the parody sometimes. I mean, you have right. transgender, lesbian, feminist Americans supporting uh, Sharia. You can't write that right. kind of comedy. I know. That's brilliant. That is. I, I actually have often said on my radio show. I, folks, I can't think of an analogy because they've already outdone it in absurdity. Right. PETA, the people for the ethical treatment of animals, just announced that white milk is is uh, is white privilege. Right. Milk is an, is a, 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 I, an aspect of white privilege. I know. It's we always say the joke is it's the kind of crazy that has Freud uh, rolling over in his grave looking for a cabinet saying, I, I don't even know where to file this. These people are absolutely out of their mind. Uh, yeah. Mr. Dennis Breger, again, where's the best place for people to find you? Well, uh, PragerUniversity.com, DennisPrager.com. Just Google me and they'll they'll have about a year's worth of reading and stuff. 
And uh, and of course, look me up. Uh, I'm I'm probably on in your city on my radio show. That's true. And or I, the app, Dennis Prager app. They can listen to me anytime they want. There's there's so much. He does everything except come out and smash a watermelon with a mallet. Uh, I highly highly recommend reading his books, listening to his show. It's been a it's played a huge role in in shaping um, how I view the world. And I know Naki Jared feels the same yeah, way. Absolutely, Mr. Dennis Prager. Thank you so much. We have to have you back, sir. Please come back. Anytime, Stephen. We'll be you. back. Wait, hold on. There's music. What? What? Ladder with Crowder.com slash mug club. You get a seven-day free trial. What do you have to lose? Nothing, you cheapskate. Go there. Try it. If even one more person subscribed to Mug Club to fight back against YouTube censorship, I promise I will eat Steven's dog. <laughs> And you know I will. Robots apparently love this. I don't know when that happened with the robot, but apparently robots, this is a, a, a function that's patterned into all I of them. I think so. No robot I've ever met has gotten the memo about that, by the way. I don't know. But I don't know. <laughs> only the people, the, uh, no robot I ever know has done this or moonwalked either. Um, Disappointing robots. But it ever Samsung Galaxy explode on me. Uh, thank you so much to our guests. I really appreciate it. And you know, I think that actually having Paul Joseph Watson on and Dennis Prager created a it made me think about something interesting. First off, I appreciate that Paul Joseph Watson is consistent, even if I don't agree with him on everything. It's a rarity. It it, seems. It's a rarity. I mean, he was against what's going on in the Middle East before Donald Trump, and he's still against it, even though you know he runs in the same circles of people who uh, sit at the throne of Lord Trump. Um, and I think I'm split on what Donald. He's done some good things. He's done some bad. Healthcare, bad. Uh, I think his emotional sort of reactionary approach to foreign po bad. I don't necessarily know that I'm entirely against the Syria strike. Gerald made some convincing arguments earlier this week, but I do think it's remarkably inconsistent with what he said he thought sure. uh, about Syria. Um, but he talked about that, and he talked about how it was amazing these people who were just cheerleaders for Donald Trump no matter what. And then we spoke with, with Dennis Prager, who talked about the Ultimate Issues Hour. And he brought up a fundamental question, you know, do you believe that people are ultimately all good, or do you believe that people are ultimately all bad, or at least capable of bad, capable of evil, that'll shape your worldview. And I think you see that with Paul Joseph Watson, and you see that in, in the first stuff before the election with Trump, and you certainly see it in an era post-Trump. If you don't just take time out of your day, and I'm, I wasn't just just uh, uh, kissing rear there for, for Dennis Prager, um, a, a big part in shaping my worldview, Dennis yeah. Prager, Thomas Sowell, John Stossel, funnily enough, because because I was a kid and I watched 20, when I was really young, 2020, and I, I read his biography, really, really young, and learned about him being a libertarian. Um, these we didn't really we didn't have Fox News. We didn't have AM radio unless we pirated it from Plattsburgh, New York. Uh, and, and for some reason, Dennis Prager was one who we were able to hear. It's, I don't know exactly what it was. I remember Laura Ingram early on Glenn Beck and I think Dennis Prager and Bill O'Reilly used to have a radio show. But the point is, we didn't have kind of the, the, the talking head echo chamber that you have here in the United States. 
And in some ways, that's created a different point of view, I think, for myself. Mm. Uh, and I think even for people like, like not Gay Jared, who wasn't really super politically oriented before this program. Um, and as Dennis Prager was saying, my views were shaped by having conversations at the dinner table and every day just sitting. And, and, and I hate to use the word meditate because it sounds like tantric, you know, yogi, new age, where people are like, I meditate and find my center. But meditate on an idea that day or a thought or try and figure out what do I believe with this issue? And if you don't do that, and if you don't, I mean, l quite literally take time out of every day, pick a fundamental issue, pick the issue of life, pick the issue of, of national security, pick the issue of constitutionalism, pick a serious, pick the, the issue of gender fluidity or, you know, versus uh, uh, masculine and, and feminine sort of uh, complementarianism. Pick an issue, pick, pick five point Calvinism, but every day pick one and just Go through, just cycle it through. Why do you believe what you believe? The Socratic method that we talked about, it's unbelievably useful. Just continually ask questions. Because if you don't ask questions in your downtime to yourself about these issues, um, you're going to be asking them publicly because you're not going to know. It doesn't mean you need to know everything about every issue, but it means that you need to know what you think about that issue. Mm -hmm. You need to know what worldview you have, what values you have. And if you don't, you end up with what Paul Joseph Watson was talking about, the cult of personality. And the danger with a cult of personality, sometimes it can be a good person, but sometimes it can be a horrible person. And the worst case scenario, sometimes it can be a good person who turns into a bad person because that occurs. There is nothing more corrosive to the human soul, in my experience, than success. I have seen people, I've had friends, I've had people who've been on this show, you know this, people who we've, we've, we've talked with, people who we've, we've watched their star rise become absolute monsters. Um, I've had friends who I knew very young growing up uh, who became very successful actors who've since already crashed and burned. Uh, and and um, that's success for a lot of people. And it's success combined with not having taken the time to establish what it is that they believe. And I know some people try and try and stay away from that because, oh, that's ideology. We hear that all the time. I'm not an ideologue. I don't believe in ideology. I take it issue to issue. No, you don't. You don't, because if you look at it, if you look at each issue individually, you will find out that you consistently line up with either one side of the political or cultural spectrum more than the other. That's why most people say, well, I'm a classical liberal, but I feel myself leaning more towards uh, the right wing now. The very fact that you feel the need to issue a caveat means that you know you've aligned consistently with one side. And that's because whether you want to acknowledge it or not, you have a worldview. Everyone does. Doesn't mean that you're an ideologue who's locked in your way where you cannot be flexible. There is flexibility. Intellectual flexibility is a, is a virtue. Absolutely. But it is not a virtue greater than consistency and, and, and being principled. And, and, and furthermore, being able to argue why you believe that you're principled. And that is one thing that, uh, that Dennis Prager talked about really stuck with me, and it's, it's part of my daily routine. And so I, I would recommend that people going out there this week, just, just try it. You know, whatever you do, just like you work, work on your, your physical muscles, Work on your mental muscle every day. Work on your philosophy muscle. Work on that muscle. Work it. Get the reps in uh, consistently, and you'll be surprised after a week, two weeks, six months, uh, how much more, you know, and, and, and with, with how much more clarity you see the world. Doesn't mean that you're not willing to change your opinion, but that means you have to have an opinion to change. As a starting off point, uh, hope all is well. No show Monday for Mug Club members. Easter Monday, we're making it a thing, plus no one here has had a weekend in gosh, I don't know how many weeks, but we'll see you Tuesday. Thank you so much. It only takes